Hello friends, it's Pastor Tanner, and this is week number five in Lent, and this is your midweek devotional for the fifth week of Lent. Our scripture that is kind of underlying this devotional thought comes from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, and this is a story where Jesus is walking with his disciples, and they see a man who was blind from birth. And the, and the disciples ask Jesus the question. He says, who sinned um, so that this man would be blind? Was it his parents? Was it something he did? Um, which that's kind of a weird question in and of itself. Like, if you're born blind, like, what are you sinning in the womb or something? But, like, who's responsible for this disease, this um, suffering that this man is enduring, right? Who's responsible for, for this? Because um, obviously they thought it was a judgment, some sort of punishment from God, some sort of um, response to sin, right? And... Uh, and while we read the scripture, we might think, well, that's kind of a silly question. Um, but I think in our culture, in our day and age, where we are so radically individualistic, right? Like people, um, their lives are the way that their lives are because that's what they deserve, because that's what they've earned, right? So um, poor people are poor because they make poor choices or they have a terrible work ethic, um, uh, rich people are rich because they they're smart and have worked hard and and those types of things. People that are um, unhealthy have made poor choices about that. People who are um, are well educated they've made good choices or you know whatever. So like we we just assign um, status and and like what's going on in their lives specifically to the choices and and work ethic and and those types of things. We're just very individualistic. And, and that allows us to kind of sit back and say, well, people have gotten what they've deserved. And I feel like that's a cover. I feel like that's, um, I mean, there's some truth to that. Like you make poor choices and end up in bad places. But I think using that as just a, a straight up blanket statement, it allows us to disregard an uncomfortable truth that we don't want to wrestle with. Um, and that's kind of what the disciples are trying to wrestle with here is if there's suffering in the world, if there's bad things happening, um, who's responsible for this, right? Like, did this, this, did this man's parents mess up? Did he mess up? Um, why is he blind? And we can expand this question out. Um, you know, why do kids get cancer? Why do kids get sick and have suffering? Why do good people um, have bad things happen to them? Why is there why is there suffering in the world, right? And we ask, is this, is this punishment from God? Is this something that they did to deserve this? Um, it, you know, are they getting what they deserve? And and Jesus goes on to this, this man, and he, he heals the man, and the man's sight is restored. But he tells the disciples, he says, um, the man's parents didn't sin, and he didn't sin either. Um, the reason for this man being born blind was so that, um, let me get the exact wording here, he said, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so, like, on the surface, when you read that, it's like, well, God made this guy blind just so he could, like, heal him 30 years later, or however old this guy was. Maybe he was older than 30, maybe he was 40, 50. So this guy lived his entire life blind just so Jesus could heal him and say, look, look what God can do. Um, paints a really weird picture of God, doesn't it? Right? Like, if you're suffering for a long time, it's because, you know, God just wanted you to, to prove a point or something. Like, I, I, I struggle with that. But I think if we, if we just slow down for a minute 
and really tackle the way that we look at sin, um, especially in our in our religious traditions. All right, so we're part of the Protestant Church, which is part of the Western Church, right? So, it, long long time ago, the church kind of formed two different when there was really one church, and it kind of formed into two. And there was an Eastern and a Western. And the Western Church, which you know, Catholic and and then the Protestant Reformation and all the branches off of there, get to Nazarene in the year twenty twenty one. We talk a lot about sin in terms of legal uh, context, right? So you know, you sin, you get punishment for sin. Um, the and the context, like I said, it's like a legal context. So if somebody's speeding in their car and they get pulled over. Um, the person who gets the ticket is the person that's driving the car. The passenger doesn't get the ticket for being in a car with speeding. The the <laughs> the person back home, you know, if, if it's the dad that's speeding, he gets the ticket. You don't give a ticket to the kid that's back at home, not even in the car, right? Like, that would seem really far-fetched. But the the way that the the question is asked of Jesus, it would be like that, right? We don't we don't think in terms of, well, as a as a as a parent, I sinned and therefore my kids suffer. Like that doesn't seem fair. And, and like I said, we're thinking of it in terms of kind of this legal thing. Um, but if we just slow down and, and just move past this individualistic, like, I did something wrong, I get punished for what I did wrong. You did something wrong, you get punished for what you did wrong. But think about sin and its effects, right? So if a, a parent, a dad, we'll just use as an example, is, is, is an, uh, an alcoholic um, that uh, continues to abuse... Uh, alcohol and um, and lives in a, a sinful lifestyle surrounding his alcoholism. Um, does that have an impact on the children that live in his household? Does that have an impact on his adult children if they have adult children, right? And so, I mean, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. It does, right? Like, um, the, so so when we move beyond the idea that that sin is a is merely um, the breaking of a specific law and then the punishment for sin is is strictly in response to the breaking of that specific law but we start seeing that there's impact that like sin is the way that leads to death and it's not just your own death but that um, sin is uh, is has a communal element to it it has a relational element to it actually all, I mean if you really break it down all sin has a relational element um, if you read the Old Testament, paying attention to what the problem with sin is, it's the fact that the people are sinful. You, you'll be hard-pressed to find an individual call to repentance uh, in the Old Testament. It's always a communal call. It's a national call. The people of God are sinning. The king has led the people away from God, right? But it's very rarely like, hey, you go get your sins forgiven all by yourself type of mentality. No, it's there, and I'm not trying to dis discourage that, but like, the main problem in the Old Testament is that the people are are sinful and moving away from God. Um, I mentioned a few moments ago that, like, as a Western-derived church, we are very legal-driven when we think about sin. The Eastern Church, the other half of that 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 breakup, um, that divorce, was the Eastern Church, and they talk about sin uh, a lot more often in terms of a disease, um, which is helpful. There's some helpful. Um, um, context that comes with that, right? So um, it's the disease that has corrupted things. It's a disease that can move freely amongst people because the world is filled with this disease, right? And so <clears throat> in this context, this man is born blind. 
He didn't do anything wrong. His parents didn't do anything wrong. But he was born into a world that is corrupted by this disease, right? By this death, by this sin, right? And so um, he didn't have to do anything wrong to be affected by uh, by sin, right? Um, sin is a corruption of the holy. Sin is a corruption of what God said was good. It's moving away from. So, um, so that I, I hope that helps to move away from this. Well, you're going to get uh, punished for the the sin that you did. Like that, I, obviously, the Bible talks about personal accountability. And I'm not trying to negate that. What I'm saying is sin is much more communal than, than, than we often talk about it. And that the my sin can affect you, right? Um, your sin can affect your neighbor, your family, your community, your neighborhood, right? Your coworkers. Sin is much more communal. Um, and, and I think we can see this if we turn on the news and pay attention to um, some of the scandals involving religious leaders, right? So, uh, you know pastor of a megachurch is caught in some sort of a, a sex scandal or abuse situation. Um, it doesn't just affect that pastor, right? It has rippling effects and disrupts and brings um, pain and hurt and suffering and grief to that whole community. And, and a lot of times it brings tearing and division and people choosing sides and, and all of this, right? So sin, uh, while there is an individual nature and I'm responsible for the choices I make, um, it has this communal effect. And so that's what Jesus is, is talking about here. Um, it's not just him. It's not just his parents. But he's born into a world that has these ripples of sin all throughout them. And then he says, you know, this man um, displays the work of God in him, right? So if you start with the idea that, that sin isn't this targeted, pinpointed thing that has immediate, quick, specific responses, right? But sin is kind of the water that we're all swimming in. Sin is the condition in which the, the world exists, right? The, this kingdom of the world is a kingdom that is shaped and driven and motivated and formed by the sin. Um, as, a, as a newborn baby, you don't have to be um, up to speed on moral choices to be influenced by the sin in the world. You're just born into a world that is shaped by sin, right? Um, and so we're born into a world of darkness. And this may sound like terrible news, and, and partly this is why Lent is, is so hard, is, is we're supposed to realize that the kingdom that we're in is, is hopelessly shaped by sin. Like, we can't rescue ourselves. It's not just, like I said, pinpointed sins you know, oh, here's a bad thing, and there's a bad thing, and oh, you know, if we avoid that one thing, then we'll be better, and if we don't, like, but sin's the water that we swim in. Sin is the world. It's the air that we breathe. It's the, the world in which we build our homes, and we, we're residents of, and we're citizens of the sinful world that leads to death. And yet, um, we look at this and say, Jesus himself, um, while he, we say he was without sin, he himself did not, does not escape the effects of sin, right? That's what Good Friday is, right? That's the, a sinful world rejecting the love of God, rejecting the very word of God, the very presence of God amongst it. The sinful world beats Jesus and, and inflicts violence and pain and suffering on God's Holy One to the point that it kills him. And so Jesus himself did not sin, and yet the sinful nature of the world takes its toll, its ultimate uh, 
toll on on Jesus. And if the story stopped there, we'd be like without hope, right? Like if if God who is in the flesh cannot escape the sinful uh, kingdom of this world unscathed and and survive, then what hope do we have who obviously are not the sinless, holy one of God? Um, what hope do we have? And that's where the resurrection comes in. I'm not trying to get too far ahead, but I, I don't want to leave us without hope today. That we start at the place of acknowledging that we are in darkness. It is everywhere. It's not just a little darkness here and a little darkness there and but that the kingdom we're in is a kingdom of darkness. And it is Jesus that brings the light. It reveals just a little bit of light. And because of that light, there's hope. Because of the resurrection, because of the promise of another kingdom that is not corrupted by sin, of another way of living that is not shaped by the sickness, the disease of sin, um, there's a promise of life. And so, we need to, as Christians, uh, embrace this message. Um, because what will happen is it will help us move beyond a sense of justification of ourselves. Well, I didn't do those one bad thing, that one bad thing, so I, I don't deserve punishment. Or um, that person is obviously suffering something, so they probably deserve it. It moves us beyond this, this sense of merit. Uh, of I've earned it or, or they've earned it, they get what they deserve, I get what I deserve, to a reality that you work as hard as you want or, or don't work at all, you're not escaping this the kingdom of darkness without this gift of life that breaks in from the outside that is Jesus, right? And so um, may our heart and our mission and our activities in our life be filled with this reality that Sin is inescapable in the kingdom of this world. And that our hope, our only hope, is life in the other kingdom. And the only way to get into that kingdom is through the cross of Jesus. And so that's this is a theological heavy response to a blind guy on the road. But I wanted us to hear this today. Because this message will shape the way we engage the world. When we look out at our windows, or look out the doors of our churches and our homes and look at the world around us and say, well, there's some poor people, they Really, pretty terrible at managing money, or they don't like to work, or um, you know, kids that that graduate from school and and don't get jobs and don't go to college, and we say, oh, they just don't know how to apply themselves. And um, there is something to personal accountability, but we can also be shaped by a heart that says, this world is taking its toll on people. There are things in this world that are not right. There are people in this world that just need the hope of Jesus that have experienced suffering that they did not bring on themselves. They've experienced hopelessness because they were born into a world that doesn't seem to have uh, any steps forward or upward. And as the church, we have the message. We have that hope. We have the way, as Jesus says. We know it. We can share it. So may that shape our hearts. May that shape our message. May that shape the way that we go about being the church of Jesus in the world. And so I hope that this is helpful. If you have questions about this, this is a weird passage of Scripture, and this is a pretty heavy response to that passage of Scripture. And so if you have questions about that, feel free to talk to me. Shoot me a message or whatever. Or if you're somebody from Hope Church or another church that this has gotten shared out um, on, you know, talk to your pastor about it. Um, but I'd love, to, I'd love to have conversation with you. But, but the idea of Lent 
is to look at the world that we're living in, the kingdom of this world, and look at the kingdom that, of God that Jesus ushers in and invites us to join, and to understand how radically different they are. We're not just trying to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into this kingdom. We're trying to move into this other kingdom and escape the condemnation, the verdict the, of death that comes with that kingdom. We're really trying to be born again. And so I hope this helps. I'd love to hear uh, from you if you got questions or comments, and uh, we hope to see you on Sunday.